0: In today's brief, we'll talk about Russia's drone-induced nightmare and some of Russia's long-range capabilities. I'm Linnea, and today is Friday, September first, two 2023, and we're in Kyiv, Ukraine. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief Podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. According to the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, Ukrainian forces continued to conduct offensive operations in the Bakhmut and Melitopol directions. From August 30 through September 1, Russian losses included 1,550 personnel, 45 tanks, 34 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, 74 artillery systems, and two multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS. In our assessment, the continued targeting and destruction of artillery systems, with about 20 to 25 systems destroyed each day, shows Ukraine is undercutting Russia's core military doctrine of relying on artillery and counter-battery superiority to overwhelm their enemy. During the day on August 31st, Russia launched one missile strike, 70 MLRS attacks, and carried out 44 airstrikes, and the GSAFU reported 25 combat engagements. Many military commentators, such as General Ben Hodges, General Mark Hertling, military analysts Rob Lee and Michael Kaufman, pushed back against the narrative that Ukraine's counteroffensive has failed, and White House national security spokesperson and attackums blocker John Kirby said, quote, we have noted over the last 72 hours or so some notable progress by Ukrainian armed forces in that southern line of defense coming out of the Zaporizhzhia area, and they have achieved some success against that second line of Russian defenses. End quote. In the northern theater of operations, Russian forces continued terrorist airstrikes in the Chernihiv and Sumy oblasts, which lie due north and northeast of Kyiv, respectively. We've published a map on Substack for anyone who might like to follow along. No subscription required. At least two settlements in Chernihiv and five settlements in Sumy were attacked by shelling from across the Russian border. In the eastern theater of operations, Russian forces carried out airstrikes and shelled eight settlements in Kharkiv Oblast, one settlement in Luhansk Oblast, and at least 20 settlements in Donetsk Oblast. According to the GSAFU, Russian forces tried to advance in Luhansk near Limanpershi in the Kupiansk operational area, but were repulsed. Ukrainian forces re-liberated the settlement of Sinkivka despite the denial of the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD. In an apparent effort to distract from the counteroffensive, Russian forces deployed an unspecified but substantial number of armored units and tanks in Novoyecharyvka in Luhansk Oblast. While Russian mailbloggers made unsubstantiated claims of success in Novaya Khorivka, Luhansk Regional Military Administration Governor Artem Lysokhor claimed millions of dollars' worth of Russian equipment was destroyed, including two valuable T-90 tanks, several howitzers, self-propelled artillery systems, and drones. UK Defense Intelligence stated that Russia will likely attempt to intensify their assaults toward Kupiansk in the coming months. Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense Hanna Malyar confirmed that Russia is making considerable efforts to advance in the area, but have so far been unsuccessful. In Bakhmut, in Donetsk Oblast, the AFU has made unspecified gains in Klishchiivka, Kurdyumivka, and Andreevka. We estimate that Ukrainian forces control about 60% of Klishchiivka, which is an important supply settlement to Bakhmut. The AFU has also made significant progress pushing Russian forces out of the high ground surrounding the city. Intense fighting is occurring in the operational area, particularly in Klishchiivka, and for control of the railroad near Avdivka. Special operations forces destroyed a Russian command and observation post near Bakhmut, successfully deploying explosives from a drone, which was then able to return to the Ukrainian position. Finally, along the Donetsk and Zaporizhzhia oblast border near Staromayorska and Urozhaina, Ukraine is steadily advancing southward and consolidating gains that were made earlier in the month. In the southern theater of operations, the AFU continues to make slow but steady progress. Geolocated footage of what are most likely Reconnaissance in Force, or DRG, troops were seen as far south as Novoprokopivka and in northern Virbova southwest of Robotny. Ukraine is consolidating gains made earlier after breaching what appears to be a major defensive line and is securing their flanks along the salient. While Russian sources have complained of a lack of counter-battery fire, poor morale and destruction of critical logistics infrastructure, Ukrainian OPSEC remains very tight, making it difficult to independently confirm information. In Kherson, Russian forces shelled Kherson City from across the Dnipro River killing a civilian. Moving on to the home front, we have a correction from yesterday's report. Russia launched 16 Shahed 131-136 drones at Ukraine, not 15 as we previously reported. 15 of the 16 drones were destroyed by Ukraine's air defenses. The single Shahed that was not shot down by air defense struck a private property in Zhytomyr Oblast, causing unspecified damage. Drones were launched from the territories of occupied Crimea, southwestern Russia, and Belarus. On August 29, two Mi-8 helicopters operated by the Ukrainian Air Force crashed under as-yet-unknown circumstances in Donetsk Oblast. The crews of both rotorcraft, six people, were reportedly killed, and an investigation into the crash has begun. Overnight on August 31st to September 1st, Russia launched a rather pathetic two-caliber cruise missiles from the Black Sea Fleet. One missile was destroyed by Ukrainian air defense and the other crashed into commercial buildings in the sparsely populated Vinnytsia oblast. According to Russian media sources, a Kh-101 missile was found in a field in Russia's Saratov region 300 kilometers from the front line. It, quote, did not work properly and fell off the missile carrier, End quote. Over the last few days, our team has experienced these missile threats firsthand, both in Lviv and Kyiv, and waking up to air raid sirens in the middle of the night to head to a bomb shelter has certainly given us greater appreciation for what Ukrainians have been dealing with every single day over the past year and a half. The head of the Kyiv City Military Administration, or KMVA, Serhiy Popko, said on August 31st that Kyiv remains the number one target of Russia and announced additional funding for engineering equipment to secure the city. Earlier today, the KMVA announced that all secondary schools received bomb threats, but there were no plans to evacuate. Today marked the start of the new school year. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky touted Ukraine's domestic production of long range missiles and drones, saying Ukraine's missiles can hit targets up to 700 kilometers away. He also issued a press statement saying there was a meeting with law enforcement officers during the Stavka, and they, quote, continue to cleanse the state of those who are still trying to weaken Ukraine from the inside. End quote. The Intelligence Service of Ukraine, or SBU, arrested a gang of eight in Zhitomor Oblast that was extorting money to the tune of 190,000 hryvnias, about 5,000 U.S. dollars, from victims by threatening to maim and kill a soldier's pregnant wife. The FBI and Ukrainian National Anti-Corruption Bureau announced a continuation of their cooperation with a focus on money laundering, corruption-related crimes, and cryptocurrency fraud. Director of the FBI Christopher Wray and NABU Director Simon Krevanos signed the Memorandum of Understanding on August 31. In the temporarily occupied territories, two more ships stuck in Odessa since February 2022 left towards the Strait of Bosporus without incident along the temporary Black Sea Corridor. Partisans in Mariupol set fire to four cars captured by the Russian army. The latest incident of arson follows an explosion at a Russian military base in mid-August, thought also to be caused by partisans. The advisor to the exiled and legitimate mayor of Mariupol reported that Russian occupation authorities are conducting so-called elections by stuffing ballots, going door-to-door, and forcing Ukrainians to vote, and threatening violence if Ukrainians do not participate in the sham elections. Russian-appointed governor of occupied Crimea Sergei Aksyanov claimed that a cruise missile launched towards occupied Crimea on August 30th was shot down, and that as a result of falling missile debris, a grassy field caught fire. Speaking of underwhelming, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. On August 30th, Ukraine carried out its biggest and likely most successful strikes on strategic targets inside the Russian Federation, launching multiple waves of drones at six targets, two airfields in Pskov Oblast, the Druzhba oil depot in Bryansk Oblast, two military installations in the Tula Oblast, and a military installation in occupied Crimea. The drones were able to avoid detection while en route, and once they arrived at their targets, overwhelmed Russian defenses. In at least one instance captured on camera, Russian troops resorted to firing blindly with machine guns in an effort to bring down the drones. The success of the attacks has unnerved many in Russia who are taking out their frustrations by placing blame on everyone but themselves for the massive failure of air defense. Some assessment. Russia is in a difficult position here. It would be politically disadvantageous to remove air defense systems from Moscow or St. Petersburg. It would likewise be suicidal to remove any from the front, as Ukraine has steadily been hunting and destroying the systems they already have in place there. This leaves Russia with installations from the Far East. In fact, it's been noted recently that Russia removed almost all such systems from an island near Japan. This seriously degrades their defenses in that region, which may not be lost on some of Russia's more opportunistic neighbors. According to UK Defense Intelligence, Russia was hit by 25 drone attacks in August alone, and the success of those drones in hitting their targets mean that Russian air defense is struggling to detect and destroy them. According to the Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, The Russian MOD recently changed its daily reports to reduce the amount of information being reported on the war, reflecting the MOD's wider efforts to censor Russian reporting on the war and unify its own narrative. The desire to limit information to both mill bloggers and state-controlled so-called news most likely indicates that the Ukrainian offensive is picking up steam and the MOD is attempting to hide that from anyone who might criticize them. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. In news worldwide, United States National Security Council spokesperson John Kirby expressed concern that arm negotiations between Russia and North Korea are actively advancing. Kirby released a statement saying, quote, We urge the DPRK to cease its arm negotiations with Russia and abide by the public commitments that Pyongyang has made to not provide or sell arms to Russia, end quote. 26 million U.S. dollars in assets belonging to two Indian diamond companies were frozen due to the company's alleged trading ties with a sanctioned Russian company. According to Reuters, Indian businesses hadn't been directly impacted by Western sanctions against Russia until recently. The Ukrainian Center of National Resistance reported that Wagner mercenaries who have been in Belarus are being sent to Niger, Libya, Sudan— Mali, Central African Republic, and Mozambique, where the Kremlin has colonial and geopolitical interests. A small number of mercenaries will reportedly stay in Belarus to instruct the special units of the Belarusian Interior Ministry to counter a possible rebellion, and some will likely sign contracts with the Russian MOD to fight in Ukraine. Let's talk military tech. Specifically, Russian long range KH missiles, with theoretical or actual ranges longer than 500 kilometers. Long range KH missiles, the KH 101, 102, 55, 55, 22, 32, and 47, are air to surface missiles that are launched from strategic bombers over both the Caspian Sea and over land. The strategic bombers, most often Tu-95s but also Tu-160s and Tu-22M3s, typically take off from Engels or Olenya airbases in Russia. The missiles enter Ukrainian airspace roughly two hours after they're launched, where they fly around for hours, changing directions, setting off air alerts, with the ultimate target often unknown. The good news is standard interceptor fighter jets and ground-based air defense systems are capable of destroying these missiles. KH-55 missiles are older versions of the KH-101 and KH-555 cruise missiles and were intended to carry a nuclear warhead. Russia uses KH-55s in Ukraine as blanks or decoys. The missile is launched, but no warhead is attached. Compared to the KH-101s and KH-555s, their main function is to distract air defenses and exhaust and terrify the population. KH-101s and KH-102s carry up to a 450-kilogram warhead but were originally designed to carry a thermobaric warhead and the KH-102 designed for a nuclear warhead. KH-555s weren't designed to carry nuclear warheads but a 400-kilogram non-nuclear warhead instead. KH-22s are hypersonic cruise missiles that are particularly difficult to intercept, even more so the advanced KH-32 variety. Originally designed as an anti-ship missile, it's launched from the Tu-95 and Tu-22M platforms and has a range between 600 and 1,000 kilometers. The missiles fly at Mach 3 to Mach 4, and the advanced variant can reach an altitude of nearly 90,000 feet, with a warhead weighing up to 1,000 kilograms. KH22s and their variants were used in the Kremenchuk shopping mall attack in June 2022 that killed 21 people, the Serhivka attack on an apartment building that killed 22 people later that month, and were used in July 2023 to successfully attack Odessa's grain storage and port facilities. Kinjal, so-called hypersonic cruise missiles, also known as KH-47s, are marketed as flying faster than sound, but for reasons too complicated to go into here, aren't really hypersonic. Kinjals are certainly faster and more maneuverable than older KH missile variants, but can still be destroyed by Patriot air defense batteries. Kinjals are launched from MiG-31K fighter jets and Tu-22M3 strategic bombers, and, although nuclear-capable, are used in Ukraine with traditional warheads. Finally, caliber cruise missiles, of which there are several variants, the 3M14 variant is launched from the Black Sea Fleet, from both ships and submarines, and the R500, or 9M728 variant, is ground-launched from the Iskander-K ballistic missile system. These are capable of carrying up to a 500 kilogram thermobaric warhead. Newer variants of the caliber can be launched from the sea, air, or land, and as they approach their target have a burst of kinetic energy that allows them to fly faster than sound. All long-range missiles can be destroyed by the SAMP-T and Patriot air defense systems. NASM's and IRIS-T systems are theoretically capable of destroying the missiles, but don't necessarily have the radar technology to destroy all targets. So what's it like to be under attack night after night from these weapons? The answer is, we can only imagine. We're lucky in that we've only had to experience this three times, and under Ukraine's hugely expanded air defense capabilities. The Air Force command of the AFU is excellent, and their telegram channels almost always give plenty of warning to go to a bomb shelter. Telegram channels track the direction of cruise missiles and where they're headed next, Air alerts are kept active until the aerial object is intercepted and the debris is contained, or until it hits its target. Part of Russia's strategy is to keep civilians up for four to five hours at a time as the cruise missiles traverse Ukrainian airspace, not knowing where they'll ultimately hit. The explosions when the missiles are intercepted or hit are extremely loud and kill civilians. While these cruise missile launches may, in theory, wear out Ukrainian air defense and identify where air defense capabilities are stationed, the main objective is most likely terrorism. And it's not working. That said, we call on the United States and EU governments to provide more Patriot air defense batteries and SAMP-T air defense systems to Ukraine to close Ukrainian airspace. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone.